Amen, amen. Let's lift our hands as Brother Mays comes to deliver the word of God. We love you, Jesus. We magnify you. Oh, let's go ahead and love him. I love you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. We can do better than that. I said we can do better than that. I will bless the name of the Lord. I will exalt you. I will magnify you. I will extol you, God. You are worthy of all praise and glory. I magnify you. God, I glorify you. Woo! I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. My Lord, the presence of God is in the house tonight. From the very first prayer, I felt it in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I heard folks praying like I hadn't heard them pray in a while. And I'm going to tell you, we've got God's attention tonight. I said, we've got God's attention tonight. We've got God's attention tonight. Come on, let's go ahead and love him for just a little bit. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Oh, God, my, 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 I concur with everything that's been said, everything that's been done. I said I concur with it. I believe it. I believe it. And I believe tonight we can get to that plateau or get beyond the wall that Satan has erected. I said we can get beyond it. I said we can get beyond it. Are you going to help me preach tonight? I said, are you going to help me preach tonight? My God, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Turn me to Luke chapter 5. Amen. I probably won't be very long tonight. Amen. Amen. Praise God, because I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Ah, my, my, my. Woo. I won't turn back, Brother Albritton. I said, I won't turn back. My God. Hallelujah. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, We have toiled all the night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. Ah, 
I feel the Holy Ghost. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Amen. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, and at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Notice in verse number 4, Simon, uh, Jesus tells Simon Peter to launch out into the deep uh, and let down your nets for a draught. Uh, And then in verse number 5, Peter answers Jesus by saying, Master, we've toiled all the night uh, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Uh, The command from Jesus to Peter was to launch out into the deep and let down his nets for a draught. And that word draught means a huge haul. However, the reply from Peter to Jesus was, Master, we have fished all throughout the night. We have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And I want to utilize just one word. Out of Peter's reply to Jesus. Notice that after telling Jesus they had toiled or fished all night and had taken nothing, Peter then said, Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. I want to preach from the subject tonight, Nevertheless. Mm. Tonight's nevertheless for somebody in this house. I said it's, oh God, help me. I said it's nevertheless for somebody in this place tonight. My God, my God, you may be, oh God, you could be, you kind of came and you might be feeling down and depressed. I'm going to tell you it's nevertheless. It's nevertheless. Oh, let's love him together right now in Jesus' name. God, anoint your word. God, I know your word's anointed. I'm asking you to anoint me. Anoint me, God. I'm... Oh, God, anoint me, God. Let me, God, preach your word. God, let me preach the word without fear, without favor. Oh, God, in your name, I believe you for it. I believe you for it. Oh, God. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated, but don't be seated too long. Amen. Amen. How many of you are going to help me preach? I want to see your hand. How many of you are going to really help me preach? I want to see your hand. All right. In the scripture setting from where we uh, ultimately take our text today, Jesus had just finished teaching the multitude uh, while he was sitting down in Peter's boat. Uh, and after the people had gone, he had a private one-on-one message for Simon Peter. Uh, he told him in verse 4, launch out into the deep and let down your nets uh, for a draught. Uh, uh, Jesus' sermons to the multitudes uh, uh, were all full of uh, his most unique teaching. Uh, but in his private talks with his disciples, uh, they were even more explanatory, uh, uh, helpful, and uh, personally valuable. Uh, they were the important truths uh, uh, which he proclaimed to the masses. But the choicest things, the, the most 
treasured things he reserved for those men uh, that he had chosen to be his disciples. Uh, when we read through the Gospels, uh, we find many of the parables that he addressed to the crowd. He later explained uh, only to his own disciples uh, and many a thing which he never said to the crowd at all uh, because he knew they could not understand it. Uh, he took the time to explain in detail to his disciples in a private meeting. Uh, Amen. Uh, so it was with Simon Peter at this time we read of in our text. Uh, first there was a sermon uh, to the crowd, and then after the sermon, uh, the private word to Peter about launching out into the deep. Uh, let me sidetrack here for just a moment uh, and tell someone that's here today, uh, for those that love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, amen, we should always look for that private time uh, along with God after the public display uh, of God's glory. Can I hear an amen? Uh, Ah, uh, it's essential and vital for us to be in the house of the Lord uh, every time we possibly can, uh, every time the church has service uh, because we come here to worship him, uh, amen, collectively as a local assembly. Uh, but we live for him individually outside of these walls. Uh, if Oh, God, help me. Uh, if we're ever going to live for God and receive all that he desires uh, for you and wants you to have, uh, you're going to have to learn how to listen uh, for those precious words your master is always willing to utter in those private times alone with him and don't be satisfied until you hear him speak to you amen then if the message that God gives you is a precept or a command like the one that he gave Peter directing him to let down his nets be careful that you obey and do it as exactly as God instructs you you might feel exactly like Peter did that day when he uttered those words master we have fished all through the night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net don't be negligent of that special voice of God in your own heart and your conscience because it's the will of God to bestow a great blessing upon you in this way. Even he did with Simon Peter whose boat was filled with fish almost to sinking. It's only when we learn how to give heed to that distinctive and private word of our Lord and Savior to our own heart and soul that many a bountiful fish, amen, we can receive or rather maybe a life full of untold blessings which might never else have been received. Can I hear an amen? If you would have been on the shore that day, you might have heard Peter yelling to his partners on the shore, get your boat, boys, and get out here. Give me a hand. I need some help. I've got a net-breaking, boat-seeking blessing. It's too much for me to handle on my own. And some of you are sitting there right now thinking, well, that was then, and that was Peter, and that's what it is, but that's not me, and that's not here, and that's not now. Far too, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm preaching to somebody. Amen. Far too often we live with a spirit of doubt and unbelief that God no longer does what he did back then. I'm here to tell you he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We 
live with this attitude of that was then, this is now. We have a hard time believing, amen, for just enough blessing, just enough to pay the rent, or just enough to make the house payment, just enough to put gas in the car, just enough to buy a few groceries, or just enough to keep the utilities on. We live with a just enough mentality. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. And all the while we forget that while Jesus commands us in the gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse number 38, where it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I'm going to go ahead and preach. Is that okay? I said, I'm going to go ahead and preach. Can I take my coat off? Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Man, somebody love him right now. Oh, God, I love you. When... God brought Israel out of Egypt. He took them through the wilderness of just enough. And it was only supposed to be a passageway to the land that flowed with milk and honey. But because they failed to listen to and obey the voice of God, they wandered in the wilderness of just enough for 40 years. Just enough is better than not enough. But it's not the promised land, and it's not what God wants someone in this place. He wants to take you from just enough to the abundant life of more than enough. But before he can, you're going to have to learn, amen, to listen for and obey the voice of God. Can I hear an amen? I'm preaching to someone uh, tonight that you've been praying, uh, you've been fasting, uh, you've done your best to stand on the word and have faith to believe, uh, but if you will be honest with yourself, uh, you'll have to admit you're in the same place that Peter was that day. Uh, You've been disappointed, uh, amen, time after time, uh, because it seems like you've toiled through the night uh, season of one disappointment after another. Uh, I'm preaching to someone uh, who has been in a season of disappointment. Uh, Your faith has been disappointed over and over again you've thrown your net out over and over again and it seemed like it's all been for nothing and it feels like all the prayer all your fasting and all that believing and standing on the word has been for nothing but I've come to this pulpit with a message for you I said I've come to this pulpit with a message for you your disappointment your disappointing season will come to an end because Psalm 30 verse 5 informs us weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning my God my God you know when you order something my daughter's constantly ordering something off Amazon they give you a delivery date and that delivery date is your appointment to receive what you have ordered. And I feel like telling someone in this place 
But heaven's already set a scheduled date for the very, th- oh God, that you've been seeking God for. My God, God has heard every prayer that you prayed. Don't you let the devil lie to you and tell you that God's not heard. I said he's heard every prayer you prayed. He's seen every tear you shed. And the very thing that you've been praying for has a divine appointment date already scheduled for you. The problem is you're just like Elijah's servant. Amen. In 1 Kings chapter 8, when he came in back said there's nothing even while I'm preaching this message you're thinking there's no sign of an answer there's no evidence of rain anywhere and I feel like telling just like Elijah told his servant go again seven times I feel like telling you go again because persistent faith never loses it wasn't until the seventh time that servant came back and said this time I saw a little cloud like a man's hand and Elijah said go tell Ahab prepare that chair and get thee down that the rain stop thee not in other words he was saying you better hurry up and get ready to head back to Jezreel because there's an abundance of rain on the way what I'm trying oh God what I'm trying to tell somebody in this place is that your season of nothingness your season of drought shall be taken over by abundance of rain but it can only and will only happen when we listen to and obey the word of God in our text immediately after Jesus tells Peter, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draught. Peter does what we so often do. He began to complain. Master, we've told all through the night. Take a nap. In other words, what Peter was saying, it's all been for nothing. We've worked hard for nothing. Amen. We've worked so hard. And all we have to show for it, just empty nets. Boy, help me, God. I'm going to get clo- up close and personal. And that same complaining spirit speaks today and says, we prayed and we fasted, yet there's been nothing. We praise God and we've worshipped him, yet there's been nothing. And we've been faithful to the house of God, and it's all been for nothing. It seems like everything we have done has all been for nothing. And for anyone in this place that has ever felt that way, I'm going to give you a revelation tonight. Your nothing is just preparation for God to do something more. It's not, well, God, it's just preparation uh, for God to do more than enough. Uh, I'm going to say it again. Uh, you are nothing. It's just preparation for God to do more than enough. Uh, God, oh. Somebody, are you listening to me tonight? God will usually take you through a season of nothing just before the breakthrough into more than enough. I said just before the breakthrough of more than enough. And the reason why is God wants all the glory. He wants you along with everyone else to know it's not your ability or the strength of your flesh. You're not the Savior. You're not the healer. You're not the deliverer. You're not the miracle worker. He wants want you to know uh, experientially uh, that it's the anointing that produces the miracle. This is why in how Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 states, not by might uh, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him right now. <laughs> 
And not only does God want all the glory, he also wants you to learn his voice. I'm going to give you three keys. The first key I've really already covered pretty well. The first key to shifting from nothing to abundance is hearing the voice of God. And the second key is obeying him. Obedience to his instruction, even if it seems ridiculous. God will let us wear ourselves out doing what we know how to do, so we'll be ready to hear his voice. You see, when we still got strength, we've still got options. When we think we can work it on ourselves, we don't hear his voice. It's not that he's not speaking, it's just that we're too busy making so much noise to hear him. So he waits for us to wait for him. He waits for us to be led by the Spirit. No wonder Romans chapter 8, verse 14 states, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit means God is out front. So he waits for us to fall back in line and start waiting on him. And then he often speaks what we think is a ridiculous instruction. But if you want to shift from nothing into a ridiculous blessing, you have to be willing to obey a ridiculous instruction. You better get with me because it's fixing to get ridiculous around here. Amen. It was a ridiculous instruction for the prophet Elisha to tell the desperate widow in 2 Kings chapter 4 to go and borrow empty vessels, uh, not a few, uh, and then take her little pot of oil and start pouring it into all those empty vessels. Uh, But she obeyed that ridiculous instruction, uh, and the anointing of ridiculous blessing came upon her, and she went into a supernatural overflow. Key number three. To a ridiculous blessing is you have to get a vision of abundance. I want everybody in this house to stand if you can. You you don't have to if if you can't stand. I want you to stand. I want you to turn around. Look at the empty pews. I'm going to tell you. Hey, brother, you can turn around this way. Look here. Look, Look across. Look across. That's not the will of God. You can be seated. Most of us don't have any problem seeing ourselves with just barely enough making it, just keeping our head above water. But what we have got to learn is how to see ourselves in abundance. Look at somebody and ask them, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself, brother? How do you see yourself, brother? How do you see yourself, brother? How do you see yourself? I'm going to just stop and let that sink in. How do you see yourself? You may have had empty boats, 
empty nets, empty cupboards, and empty pockets. But you're going to have to look through the eyes of faith to see something that isn't here. Amen. God told Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look from the place where you are. Look toward the east, the west, the north, and the south. Everything you can see, I'm going to give you. God was saying, if you can see it, you can have it. When the prophet Elisha told that widow woman to get those empty vessels, he was activating her spiritual sight. He wanted her to see by faith that every one of those vessels filled. And when she obeyed that ridiculous instruction and began to pour that little bit of oil she had into the vessels, she probably didn't realize it at the time, but she made that little pot of oil the very seed for her miracle. Oh, God, I'm thinking about what they saw tonight and what they sang. Amen. It's going to take a miracle. Somebody in this house is going to get your miracle tonight. I said somebody's going to get your miracle tonight. It didn't make sense. It was nothing compared to the size of her need. It wouldn't get her out of debt. But when she started pouring it out, she was sowing the seed of her miracle. And in doing so, she released what she had in order to get what she needed. Her obedience to a seemingly ridiculous instruction took her to an overflow and put her in the oil business. Somebody ought to praise him right now. And in our text, although he probably didn't realize it at the time, the seed to Peter's miracle was the very boat he was standing in. And when Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep for a draught, he was done doing much much more than performing a miracle. He was doing the same thing Elisha did for that widow woman. Jesus was activating Peter's spiritual sight and giving him a vision of abundance. Notice Jesus didn't just say, Peter, I want you to try one more time and see if you catch anything. He said emphatically, let down your nets for a draught of fish. He was telling Peter to get ready for a net break and a boat of abundance. Jesus was saying there is a multitude of fish out there just waiting for you to let down your nets. Oh, God. I said, there's a boatload out there just waiting. I said, somebody's hungry. Somebody's thirsty. Somebody's looking for you to tell them truth. Oh, God. They have a divine appointment to jump into your nets. But if you don't get out there and let you down your nets, you're going to miss your divine appointment with your blessing. It was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. When they ran out of wine, Mary told the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. It may not make sense, but just do it. It may seem entirely foolish, just do it. It may seem utterly ridiculous, do it. It may be hard on the flesh, but do it. You may not like it, just do it. Amen. Everybody may think you're crazy, but do it. I'm trying to preach to somebody tonight and tell you through your obedience, your water is getting me ready to turn into wine. I said your water's getting ready to be turned into wine. Water speaks of just enough, but wine speaks of spiritual overflow and abundance. Water speaks of survival and maintenance. But wine speaks of thriving and abundant overflow. When, oh God, when Peter obeyed, he went into a supernatural overflow of abundance. And when the widow obeyed, she went into a supernatural overflow of abundance. And when the servants obeyed, the water became wine. Amen. Peter almost missed the biggest catch of his career, all because he started to argue with Jesus. Look at somebody beside you and say, don't argue with God. 
one word shifted Peter from nothing into net-breaking abundance. And the word that changed everything was nevertheless. Peter's argument went something like this. Lord, it just doesn't make sense. You don't go fishing during the day if you want to catch the most fish. Lord, I'm tired. I've fished all through night. I just don't feel like it, Lord. I don't want to be disappointed again. It's just not worth the effort. But then Peter spoke one word that changed everything. He spoke the word nevertheless. I'm preaching to somebody today to tell you you better learn to add the word nevertheless into your vocabulary. Vocabulary. I said you better learn to add the word nevertheless into your vocabulary. That one little word seems so insignificant, but it's full of power. Nevertheless means I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what people say about me. Oh, God, I'm going to say that again. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care if it's been tried before and it didn't work. I don't care if it's going to cost me some pride. Oh, somebody ought to grab a hold of that. I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if it makes me look foolish. Nevertheless, I will obey. Nevertheless, I will go. Nevertheless, I will do. Nevertheless, I will pray. Nevertheless, I will forgive. Nevertheless, I will sow that seed. Nevertheless, I will take that step. Nevertheless, I will fill the water pots with water, even though everyone's expecting wine. Nevertheless, I will go dip seven times in muddy Jordan. Nevertheless, I will march around the wall for seven days. Nevertheless, I will borrow empty vessels, not a few. Nevertheless, I will make the prophet a cake, even though it's going to be the last meal for me and my child. Nevertheless, 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 the word is your bridge from season of nothing into a season of net-breaking abundance. The word nevertheless shifts you out of the natural realm into the spiritual. I may see empty nets, but nevertheless. I may feel pain in my body, but nevertheless. My children may be acting crazier than ever, but nevertheless. My world may be turned upside down right now, but nevertheless. The devil may be attacking me on every side, but nevertheless. There may be no relief in sight, but nevertheless. Oh, God, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I prayed and I prayed with no answer in sight, but nevertheless. Nevertheless, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Nevertheless, I know that all things work together for for good to them uh, who love God, uh, who are the called according to his purpose. Uh, Nevertheless, I know that God is for me, uh, and it does not matter who is against me. Let me say that one again. Uh, Nevertheless, I know that God is for me. Uh, It doesn't matter who against me. Uh, Nevertheless, 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 uh, when that word is spoken in faith, uh, it notifies heaven, uh, you're ready to do whatever God instructs you to do. Uh, Secondly, uh, it cripples power from hell all because when you amen declare that word in faith you have just notified hell it doesn't matter what you're trying to do to me it doesn't matter what you've already done nevertheless devil I'm going to live for God nevertheless I'm going to go full steam ahead Nevertheless, doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how educated or uneducated you are. It doesn't matter. Oh my God. 
God. What the devil does, and it doesn't matter what hell throws at you. It doesn't matter if it's sickness or disease. It doesn't matter if it's financial problems. It doesn't matter if the devil has attacked you and your family. It doesn't matter if it's a lion's den or a fiery furnace. I've already settled it. I'm committed. Nothing is going to change my mind. I've got a nevertheless on the inside of me. Nevertheless, that word is visionary because that word declares it's done before I even start. In other words, when you declare the word nevertheless from your heart, you're releasing faith into action, and your faith is testifying. Your faith is working. Your faith is crippling hell. Amen. We all remember Jesus' words on the cross when he said it is finished. But prophetically, it was finished in the garden when Jesus prayed and he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. With that one word from Jesus' lips, hell was defeated, and your victory and my victory was won. Somebody needs to open your mouth and shout out, nevertheless. Stand to your feet. Musicians, please come. Amen. Stand to your feet. Amen. Hurry, musicians, hurry. I want everyone in this house standing. Amen. Amen. Oh, God. I said, somebody open your mouth and shout out again nevertheless put heaven on notice right now you're ready for your breakthrough let the devil know it doesn't matter it's already decided come hell or high water sickness or health come joy or pain come drought or rain come lion's den or fiery furnace it's still just nevertheless nevertheless means I refuse to be dominated by what my eyes see I'm going to cast my neck into nothing because I'm believing for an abundance. Ah, this is my nevertheless praise. Now I want you to start doing some nevertheless praise. Ah, I said I want you to start doing some nevertheless praise. I want you to praise him. Amen. Like everything you believe God has just happened. Like it's been manifested even though there's no evidence of it yet. Ah, faith is acceptance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Oh, I'm going to praise him. Nevertheless, God, I'm going to praise him. I want you to start walking these aisles. I want you to start lifting your voice. Ah, That's what nevertheless means. It means I don't see it in the natural, but I'm going to praise him like it's already done. Somebody needs to put on hell on high alert right now that you're not quitting. You're not giving up. You're not giving in. You're not turning around. You're not raising the flag. Flag of surrender. It's just nevertheless.